millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs, where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Um, the topic of our podcast today is the murder of Chandra Scherer, a um, tw- little 12-year-old girl that was murdered in Madison, Indiana, back in 1992. She was um, kidnapped, tortured, and uh, finally burned to death by four other teenage girls. I know. Mm. I'm sorry. Again. Well, it's not, I mean, you know, it doesn't have a, 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 a I would mysterious like a surprise ending. Yeah, you haven't been, in, has she been introduced yet? No, she How hasn't. How come she gets to talk and well, I don't neither, get to talk? Well, you're, no, you're not supposed to be talking either. This well, is just, my segment. She has her own protocol out the window, so why do I have to abide by it? Uh, we're all off our game. We've, it's been a while since we've done one of these. Seems like it's been weeks, but I know it's only been like a week, but. Anyway, welcome everyone to History Dweebs, and our topic, as I said, is the murder of Chandra Scherer, and we're going to talk about this uh, really, just really horrific uh, event that occurred back in 1992. But before we do, let me introduce our panel. Very pleased to have in our studio today the very lovely and talented, the Queen of Mean, the Empress of Evil, Pill Poppin', Peanuts Lovin', Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm good, Timmy. How are you? I am well. We have new equipment. Yes, but it was not tested before I got here, which I feel like is the well, height of unprofessionalism. We kind of had you to guys set it up. Tinnies. We're working on some technical aspects of the. Of we the got thing. right, but we got three new microphones. I don't understand though. You guys set it up and you didn't test it. Was I, you here? I, yeah. Was you here to help? Talk to the. Like colonel. I was so much help when I was sitting here. Talk to the colonel because uh, it was his job, and he had one job. One job. <laughs> um, so we decided, in the interest of time, we're going to record this uh, with our older equipment. Uh, but uh, in the near future, hopefully, our next podcast will have uh, all the technical issues. Um, the echo was gone when we was talking into those other mic. Oh yeah, no echo at all. So it's going to be smooth. nice. It's going to be nice, uh, but we just uh, we just don't know what we're doing. So, uh, but we will get that ironed out. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to use this microphone. But our microphone was donated to us from my mom. Thank you, mom. Thank you, Dottie. Three microphones. Three microphones and a um, and a mixer. Oh, mixer. we need a turntable. Yeah. How well all we need is for it to work. Well, that too. Yeah. Well, it works. It's just we can't I, it, you know I, I I'm fairly certain it's something in the Garage Band settings that we. I got. I'll, I'll talk to 
I'll talk to Taylor's producer tonight and have him walk me through it. Excellent. Yeah, have a teenager tell you how to do it. Nice, but he's about 23 years old. He's, he, he, he does a lot of uh, bands around Chicago. Well, the, uh, you know, the, when I come in here this morning before we start, and we had the n- new microphones all set up. Of course, you know, they're not working, but they're all right. set up. Um, Looking so pretty. And I was telling Brandy that now, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, at some point we could get, like, out of this podcast and... and shut it down you know it's been like two years mm-hmm. I mean I mean, it wasn't going for Bonanza here you know like a 25 year run I mean I thought we Bonanza do Bonanza, Bonanza. Um, so I thought you know we do a year and then uh, I thought oh, that's good you know and then I thought well we'll get to 100 shows and that's good well we don't know, we're, we're like 160 or something yeah, we're prolific. Well, we are, but you know, at some point, all good things has. I mean, you know, Gunsmoke ended. I, I feel like he keeps dropping. He, does. Us he keeps dropping. Yeah. Well, yeah. but see now, because my mom, my dear mother, uh, went out and bought us new microphones. Now I feel obligated to you keep should. this thing alive. But well, I got a solution for that. You wanted to. Di- you wanted it to die on the vine, didn't you? I really did. <laughs> but now I have a solution. Even though it was his idea. Well, we did it. We've done almost 200 shows. 160 And we're something. still cranking. Yeah. We're but, amazing. I mean, I, this wasn't a, you know, a lifetime obligation. I thought we'd do like a year. Listen to him. But anyway, I have a plan. Because, you know, I would feel guilty of getting out of this, stopping the podcast, since my mother went and, you know, bought us new um, microphones and equipment. So I'm going to propose that I be voted off the podcast. Hashtag Timmy exit. Um, so that we're going to have a referendum. And if attracts it, yeah, it's attracts it. Yeah, it's Timmy, Timmy exit, Timmy exit. So hashtag Timmy exit. It's Timex. <laughs> Timex is good. That's fine. Um, so I want to see that start trending so that there, my mom will be convinced that people want me off the podcast, and I can just turn it over to you, too, and you will do it. Well, that's time. a bad idea. I'm not sure how that would... How would uh, that seems like a bad idea to me, That's Timmy. what I said. Well, well, then we have to have some timeline when we're going to end this thing, because I didn't. this wasn't a lifetime obligation on my part. Well, we don't have to talk about it right now. You know, I keep feeling like you're... Uh, Little Joe, Timmy. Okay, I've got to introduce. You're not even introduced yet. Yeah, Chuck. I'm sorry. Uh, how, uh, let me introduce the uh, most dangerous man in podcasting today, the very honorable Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard, Hawk Walters III, affectionately known as a Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Chuck? Uh, you know what, Timmy? I'm just trying to get trying to get through this all. Uh, my, my wife is... Or not my wife, my boy's... Uh, someone very, very close to their family just had a stroke, and my wife oh. and on her way down to see oh. how she's doing, but she's not supposed to make it through the day. Ugh. So, and you feel like doing this? Well, yeah, oh, absolutely. She, uh, he's she, here. She would clearly doesn't bother. She him would clearly much. want me to do it, and uh, um, carry on. She listened to the podcast occasionally. She liked the Colonel. The Colonel was her favorite. Um, make it past. I don't think any of that's true. And she uh, is very, I'll, I'll make this brief story, but when the twins were born, we had a babysitter and everything lined up. So this woman, she took the 
the woman that we had as a babysitter, after about two weeks, Renee decided she was not fit to handle her children. Mm-hmm. Because one day Renee came in and had a, uh, one of the boys had a wet diaper. And she did not feel that they were getting the proper attention they needed. So, and, and there was some other things. I mean, but you know Renee's a lunatic. So we had to find another sitter, and this woman who was Renee's mother's best friend mm-hmm. said, well, you know, I'm off work for four weeks. She worked for the Waterworks, and she got a furlough every week, or a six-week furlough every year. She said, I'm off work for the next four weeks. I will, uh, I will watch the boys yeah, until you find somebody else. Really nice of her. It was nice of her. Now, at the end of that four weeks, we had another babysitter. We had everything lined up. And last day, the woman said, if you are happy with me watching the boys, I will quit my job and continue to watch the boys. Oh, really nice. And she did. And so the boys grew up really being, this was their nana. You know, Mm -hmm. she was closer to them, really, than either of the grandmothers were. Right. And so she, she unfortunately, she had a stroke, and, uh, and and but we know, devil, you you had a death in in your family. I did. So we're we're yeah, very sorry it's about like, that. Yes, we are. We're very sorry for Dave, and our thoughts are with him. Yes. So it's been a little bit. It's been been a tiny bit depressing to me. And then you have all the. You, we weren't going to talk about it, the election, but I think that's been it's. It's made people very tense and very, uh, you know, I, I think it just made, you know, the whole election cycle made people, it just wore people out. I think yes. it wore people down. And that's why we have to do this podcast so we can entertain people and cheer them up. So we're going we're gonna to cheer you up by telling you about a little girl that got murdered and chopped up and Absolutely. went to the right. chipper. And <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I had a different, I had a more of a lighthearted story for today, but, um, you know, our people kind of like, our listeners kind of like. We got some messed up people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters, uh, those of uh, you who support our podcast. Thank you for supporting the arts. Yes, uh, that's Alicia and Chip, Cindy Lou, Andy Happ, Bridget, um, Angelo. Jennifer Siemens, whose son Hunter is just turning seven this week, so happy birthday, Hunter. Uh, Patty Wooten, Charlie, our friend from Insight Podcast, Brandy McBride, Amber Scoville, Jahara, uh, Leslie Hager, and we have a new um, sponsor on Patreon, the uh, incredible, most uh, dangerous um, mud around, Rudy Walters. Rudy Walters is a. He, I came home and he said, "Dad, I didn't know he got a job." I'm a throw. Oh, Rudy? Yeah, Rudy. Rudy's paid by the government. Uh huh. Um, he has a disability. He's an he's, assassin. <laughs> yeah, wow. Rudy. Clearly, Rudy's a trained assassin for the government, and he uh, actually with the uh, we we did have the election with the new president. He called us up and wanted to know if Rudy could be part of his Secret Service detail. I see. Um, but Rudy. Rudy likes to... Rudy is only given a dollar. You don't get to go on and on about him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Technically, he's a sponsor, too. Yes, he's giving (laughs) a dollar, of which 20 cents will go to taxes. So he's really only (laughs) giving us 80 cents. But thank you to all of our Patreon sponsors, including Rudy. If you would like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash historydweeb. Okay, let's get into the story. 
of the murder of Shonda Scherer. Uh, Shonda was a 12-year-old girl who lived in the small town of Madison, Indiana. Uh, really That's not, a neat little place. It's yeah, it's not very not far, far from, from here. here. Not far from here in Cincinnati. In 1992, she was abducted uh, by several uh, girls, uh, four girls, uh, and oh, this is now I know what murder we're talking about. Yeah, well, it's I'm glad you do since we're getting ready to do it. Okay, I thought this was one of those normal ones we did. I remember this one. I'm glad this is horrible. It is very it's a very horrific. The incident attracted uh, international attention, uh, both for the brutality of the murder and the young age of the uh, killers, who raised in the age of uh, between the ages of seventeen, uh, fifteen, and seventeen years old. Uh, before we discuss the events leading up to Shonda's uh, murder, let's first talk a little bit about her um, killers. They were four teenage girls. Um, teenage who, girls are mean. Who were involved in this? Uh, they were. I'm going to go. I'm going to give you a little background on each of them. But I think were, we should actually send teenage girls over to fight ISIS. Well, even then, and yeah, you can't send and boys they get lost. And if you well, <laughs> yeah. if you do, and, I, get and if ISIS yeah. wins, you can say big deal. You beat a bunch of teenage girls. No, you just you know all you'd have to do oh, is say lose. to one of the girls. Get oh. a bunch of girls together and tell the most popular. <laughs> ISIS one. would commit suicide. It'd be like mass suicide. <laughs> it would, and say you know what, you know what, uh, uh, she stole your Lexi. That ISIS guy, and Lexi's going to be the most popular one in the group. She mm. always is. That ISIS guy. Mm. Thinks you're cute. He says you're fat. Oh, yeah. Oh. And those girls that turn said, on them. Well, they, you set, what you do, you set it up so you get uh, an Instagram from ISIS saying yeah. that one of them's fat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah let, let him follow Lexi's account uh-huh. and let her put a, you know, a selfie up from the beach like oh, yeah. you know, teenage girls are wont to do. They'll be chopping their own heads off. <laughs> they would be. Once they reach the wrath of them getting like 10,000 texts a day. <laughs> yeah, well, young girls can be mean, as this case uh, proves. The four girls involved in this murder, uh, they were the, the uh, Melinda Loveless. She was 16. Lori Tackett was 17. Now, Melinda... This was like a puppy love triangle. This is how this kind of was the motivating factor for this. Uh, So uh, Melinda was the main culprit. as She claimed that uh, Shonda, the victim, stole her girlfriend. Um, So Melinda Loveless, age 16, uh, Laura Tackett, age 17, and there were two younger girls, Hope Ripley, age 15, and Tony Lawrence, age 15. And we're going to get, these names are going to be throughout this, so hope it's not too confusing. But the two main, main culprits in this was Melinda, the older girls, Melinda, 16, and Laura Tackett, 17. The main catalyst for these murder, this murder was uh, Melinda Loveless. She was 16 years old. She had, all these girls had kind of a troubled background. Uh, especially Melinda. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and I'll also talk a little bit about the other girls before we get into the actual, Brandy gets into the actual murder. Melinda Loveless was born in New Albany, Indiana. This is South uh, East Indiana. Uh, on October 28, 1975, she was the youngest of three daughters born to her uh, mother, Margie, and her father, Larry Loveless. Now, Larry Loveless was... Ooh, he was a piece of work. 
he was drafted in the U.S. Army in Vietnam War. He was treated as, he was, you know, he earned some medals, was treated as a hero upon his return. But his wife described him, described him later as a pervert. Yeah. Uh, who would wear her and her daughter's underwear and makeup and was incapable of staying uh, faithful. He had a mixture of jealousy and a fascination with seeing her having sex, his wife, with other men and women. They lived near New Albany uh, throughout Melinda's childhood. Larry worked on and off at a railroad um, where he had, uh, he kind of, you know, he, he, he would work, he'd get laid off, he would work, and he'd get laid off, kind of that cycle. In 1965, he went to work as a probation officer with the New Albany Police Department, but he was fired after eight months. For being a dirty perv. Well, when he and his partner assaulted an African-American man who Larry accused of sleeping with his wife. Well, which, I thought he liked that kind well, of thing. Right. Yeah, well, maybe. You can't have it both ways, yeah, Larry. You can't have you. You can't have you freaky and yeah, have and it, eat it, eat it, it too. too. Yeah. In 1988, uh, Larry briefly worked as a uh, postman. Uh, he quit after three months, uh, <laughs> and they found uh, that he had taken most of the mail home and destroyed it. Yes. <laughs> he was a stand-up guy. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff Clavin. <laughs> <laughs> David Berkowitz. Wasn't he a mailman? He was a mailman. He was doing that. Dude. You know, mailman, being a mailman will make you crazy. Yeah, but, you know, like you said, they, they should be in good shape. But, you know. You know. See, that's why my Fitbit, it, it, it disturbs me that I, I look at my mailman and I'm like, this fucking Santa Claus delivering gifts. He don't look like he's somebody in shape. He gets he probably gets thirty five thousand steps a day. Yeah, he gets Timmy steps. He gets Timmy steps. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, his his wife Margie uh, worked off and on. Um, they were not you know they were financially okay. They lived in an upper middle class uh, suburb of Flo- Floyd. Knobs, Indiana. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Floyd's Knob? Uh, there's an upper middle class part to that? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm confused. Uh, Larry did not usually share his income with his family and impulsively spent money he earned on himself, especially firearms, motorcycles, and cars. He filed for bankruptcy in 1980. Extended uh, family members often described the loveless daughter as visiting their house as being hungry. Apparently not getting enough food at I would home. think so. Her dad's she, got a yeah, sweet so, ride in the driveway, but she ain't got no damn no hamburgers. Yeah, so apparently he's, you know, they're not, uh, there's some neglect going on there. Uh, through most of their relationship, Larry was unfaithful to Margie, and they had an open marriage. Well, I would think that's the way it should be. They would often visit bars in Louisville, Kentucky, which is just nearby, where uh, they would pretend, where he would pretend to be a doctor or a dentist, and introduce his wife Margie as his girlfriend. He would then pick up men, and he would share her with some of his friends he's at a bar or at from work. Now she found this disgusting, but apparently she went along with it for a while. They all say they I, find it disgusting, but they like it. Can you cheat on someone in an open marriage? I don't um, think so. That's all, so. all I did being open, right? During an orgy yeah. with another couple in their house. Yes. Uh, another Mar- couple doesn't constitute Margie. Orgy. Margie tried to commit it's suicide. Well, that's a downer. Well, yeah. That's that, a boner killer. That adds, another, <laughs> that adds another element to the orgy. It really does. <laughs> An unexpected surprise. Yeah. Um, 
Another mess I got to clean up. So she she apparently went along with these, uh, you know, the sexcapades. Sexcapades, but she wasn't really into it, apparently. She said. Well, she's trying to kill herself. So she said. Apparently she had tried to kill herself several other times um, uh, as Melinda was growing up. Now, Melinda, when Melinda was nine... um, Some of this is spec, uh, allegations, so I've got to be careful. But when Melinda was nine, Larry had his wife Margie gang raped, after which she tried to drown herself again. So she, she tried to drown herself? Yeah, she tried to drown herself. What the fuck? You can't find another way to do it? She's trying yes. to drown herself? Man, maybe your house is having her, you wait, gang raped. Did she hold herself underwater? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Or maybe she just... <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> maybe she just, you know, drunk a lot of Fresca. I don't know. Jesus After Christ. the incident, uh, though, she refused to have sex with him for a month. He violently, then violently raped her as their daughters witnessed this, including Melinda. I I'm going to say, this up, I'm like it, a guy yeah. that you would want to kind of hold out on. Yeah. He just had you gang raped. How are you going to cut him off? So in the summer of 1986, after she would not let him go home with two women that they picked up at a bar... What a bitch. Larry beat Margie so severely that she was hospitalized, and he was convicted of assault. The extent of Larry's abuse of his daughters and other children is a bit unclear. There's various court testimony that claimed he fondled Melinda as an infant. Ew. Uh, molested Margie's, his wife's 13-year-old sister, early in the marriage, and molested a cousin who was uh, between the ages of 10 to 14. God. But, again, these were, this is just court testimony, allegations. None of this was, I guess, uh, followed up on. Both older girls, though, Can't, why would you do uh, that? not Melinda, but her older sister said that he molested them. And although Melinda didn't admit to any molestation, um, she did sleep with him in the same bed uh, until she was 14, so, which is a little bit unusual, I guess. In court, um, there, uh, they, uh, one of the cousins described a incident in which Larry tied all three sisters in a garage and raped them in succession. This is uh, this is their cousins, yeah. Um, but the other two would not confirm. The other two uh, cousins would not confirm that. So a lot of a- allegations. Why did he said she said there? Yeah. Larry was verbally abusive to his daughters, apparently. He fired a gun at Michelle in Michelle. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he fired a gun in Melinda's direct- direction when she was seven, intentionally missing her. Well, he's okay. a good, because he's a good okay, dad. Okay, well, that's some. He was also embarrassed by his children. By uh, He would embarrass his children by finding their underwear and smelling it in front of other family members. Huh. Which is a bit odd. Did it raise a red flag to anybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently not. For two years. Right. I love to smell underwear. Oh, underwear. these are little kids. That's some fava beans. It smells like victory. <laughs> For two years, beginning when Margie uh, or Melinda was five, the family was deeply involved with the Graceland Baptist Church. Larry and Margie gave a full confession and renounced their drinking and swinging uh, while they were members of the church. Larry became a Baptist preacher. There you go. And Margie became a school nurse. 
The church later arranged for Melinda to be taken to a motel room with a 50-year-old man for a five-hour exorcism. Well, hmm. those things happen. Yeah. I don't know what was going on with her. She needed to be in. But apparently it doesn't work, was, as we yeah. learn later on. The devil was in there. Yeah, the devil really was. Larry became a marriage counselor with the church. As right? he should have. Yeah. Clearly qualified. And acquired a reputation for being a, a bit forward with the other women. Oh, imagine. <laughs> and eventually attempting to rape one of them. <laughs> Don't laugh at oh, rape. Guy sounds oh, very have it. He seems very rapey to me. He is yeah. very rapey. You got to no rapes. He's out call. of the gate I on mean, that guy. It, just like well, these are allegations. We don't know for sure, but he does seem to have quite a few well, allegations. You know where there's where there's blazing forest. <laughs> yeah. There's usually fire. Yeah. Me. yeah, there's a fire there. <laughs> so uh, so after the incident, the raping incident, the loveless parents uh, they Which left the one? church. They left the church and returned to their <laughs> return to drinking and their open marriage. <laughs> so the what, whole church thing didn't work. Fuck it. The whole Christianity thing didn't work. The, well, the raping thing will get you excommunicated from a church, Timmy. Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. In uh, in November 1990, uh, Larry was caught spying on Melinda and one of her friends. There you go. And Margie attacked him with a knife, sending <laughs> him to the hospital when he attempted to grab it. She, uh, Margie, as she normally does in these situations, attempted to kill herself. <laughs> she just couldn't a bitch just get a toaster and jump in the bathtub. Well, well, I mean, uh, anything. <laughs> Take some pills. Yeah. Do something. Yeah, I mean, she tried. She did she try and drown good. herself again? I don't have. Uh, I don't have the. Uh, she details was not very good at she did, killing herself. The, uh, <laughs> during this attack, the daughter an underachiever. Uh, the daughters called the their local authorities. And after the incident, Larry filed for divorce and moved to Florida. This bitch is crazy. I'm out of here. Uh, Melinda felt crushed, however, because she was especially close to her father, uh, yeah. and he remarried. Now, he sent her letters for a while uh, to Melinda, often toying with her affection, and then eventually he just stopped contacting her at all. So that's Melinda um, uh, Loveless. She's kind of the, one of the main instigators here. She's the, one of the Loveless interests. So she's she's leaving that house with a pretty nice attitude. She's yeah. fucked up out the gate. The next one is the uh, the other uh, older teenager, Lori Tackett, um, age 17. She was born in Madison, Indiana on October 5th, 1974. Her mother was a fundamentalist Pentecostal Christian. Yes. Oh. And her father was a factory worker with two felony convictions from the <laughs> 1960s. There we go. Now, uh, Lori claimed that she was molested twice as a child at age 5 and at age 12. Um, in May of 1989, her mother discovered that uh, she was uh, changing genes at school. Mm-hmm. And they had a big fight. Changing into jeans. Into jeans, yeah. I, apparently, oh, they went. They went loud. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was going to school and changing into jeans, and there was a big fight. And her mother attempted to strangle her. Huh. Social workers became involved. And this is when she was fifteen. Social workers became involved, and um, so you know, uh, Lori's parents agreed to some. Unannounced visits and to some intervention. Um, well, Lori, that seemed to be the problem with the other family. The man was making unannounced visits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lori and her mother came into conflict at one point. Uh, they would go into you know periodic conflict. 
at one point, uh, Lori's mother went to Hope Ripley's house. That was um, Ripley's. That was one of her friends. Because, believe it or not. Believe it or not. Because um, Lori and Rip, Hope Ripley was friends, and um, uh, her mother, Hope, uh, Lori's mother, learned that um, Hope's father had a Ouija board. Oh. That the girls were using, oh, and she went to there and demanded that the Ouija board be burnt uh, and the house to be exercised. So, um, said so they put the house on the treadmill. <laughs> what did they do? <laughs> yeah, this house needs exercises. It's and, too big. Uh, so, uh, Lori became that. <laughs> became increasingly rebellious after her fifteenth birthday, and also became fascinated with the occult. Um, she would at, uh, attempt to infre- uh, uh, Lori. This is Lori. Attempt to impress her friends by pretending to be possessed by the spirit of Deanna the Vampire. Yes. Um, was you ever devil? Was you ever into the goth stuff when you was in school? You I dated someone into the black into the goth. goth. Huh? I dated someone who was into the goth. No, wasn't Inky a goth? No, Indy was in the goth. Indy, not Inky. Inky. Inky was no. She Inky was just into tats. Oh, okay. Indy was into goth. No, mm-hmm. when I was in school, all the goth kids were skaters. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, Lori got uh, became into the occult. She began to engage in self harm, uh, which. Okay, I'm going to talk about Especially after 1991. <laughs> what the fuck? Hold on, we're talking about... Now, this gets into pretty ugly shit. You don't want to talk about self okay. we've, we've I dated someone who was in the Raping, stuff, murdering, yeah. sodomizing... I know, but I don't want to... It's, it's personal stuff. I dated someone who was a cutter. <laughs> Not because they were dating me, but I mean, when <laughs> yeah. they were sure, <laughs> when they were younger. So that relationship worked out good yeah. for them then, Timmy. Yeah, I mean, so, I, mean yeah. So I, 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 I myself have been known to cut myself from time to time. Well, to yeah, me too, but <laughs> not on purpose. I look like I've been purpose. in a knife fight. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been stabbed, Renee, the Mrs. Curtis. Well, yeah, okay. No, seriously, when, when, you know, young ladies cut themselves, there's usually... Yeah, there's because, underlying issues. Yeah, and usually it's sexual abuse. So she began to engage in self-harm, especially after 1991 when she began dating a girl who was involved in the practice of self-harm. Her parents discovered the self-mutilation and checked her in the hospital in 1991. She was prescribed antidepressants and released. Two days later, her girlfriend and Tony Lawrence uh, cut their wrists deeply, and they were returned to the hospital for treatment of the wound, and she was admitted to the psych ward. She was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, much like our friend Brandy here, mm-hmm. and confessed that she had experienced hallucinations. Borderline crazy. Uh, hallucinations. So, she, you know, she's a sick, sick little girl. She was discharged, uh, and she dropped out of high school in 1991, um, she stayed in Louisville for a time, and then um, she moved back to Indiana, and that's when she met Melinda Loveless, who we just uh, discussed. Um, Am I the only one that keeps thinking about Deep Throat when they say this Loveless girl? No. No. I think of Lydia Loveless, the singer. The singer? Yeah. She met uh, Melinda. Uh, the two did not become quick friends, but they they kind of had some conflicts, but later on they become friends. I would change myself to lovable. Yeah. If I was loveless. In December, Love in December back. of sure. 1991, Tackett moved uh, to Madison again uh, because her father had promised to buy her a car. 
but uh, she spent most time running around with her friend Melinda Loveless. Now, the other two girls involved in this murder were a bit younger, a couple years younger. One was Hope Ripley. Uh, Hope Ann Ripley, she's the one whose fa- had, father had the Ouija board. Um, she was born in June of 1976. Her dad was an engineer at a power plant. Her parents divorced in 84. Um, they moved away. So it sounds for like a while. She had a normal childhood. Kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. Except for burning a Ouija board. Well, except... Well, no, didn't do that. Except for murdering this girl. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah. previous to this Yeah, incident. the two younger girls had a much more reduced role in this murder. Uh, and Hope was one of them. So at 15, um, so when they moved away for a while, they went to Michigan, and then her mother moved her back to Madison, Indiana, and then she became friends with Lori Tackett, and um, another girl named Tony Lawrence, who we'll discuss in a minute. So this is how those kind of all met. Um, her parents did not like her hanging around Lori Tackett and Tony Lawrence because she thought they were a bad influence. Uh, that would prove what about to be Vicky Lawrence. That would prove to be correct. Could you hang out with her, uh, Vicky Lawrence? Like, yeah, I don't know. She's still alive. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. She did the night's That's a night that the last one okay, out no, no, in sing, Georgia. No singing, no singing. We don't have any other microphones yet. No singing. That's a night that the hung an innocent man. Stop. As uh-huh. with the other girls, um, Hope also began to self-harm at age 15. So that's three of the girls. Now let's talk about the hey, fourth You couldn't keep a razor blade in the house around there. Yeah. <laughs> the fourth one was Tony Lawrence, uh, T-O-N-I. Sure. She, she was born in Madison in 1976. Um, she had apparently come from a good family. She was close friends with Hope Ripley, who we just discussed. She was, a, no, I guess she wasn't. She was abused by a relative at age nine and raped by a teenage boy at age 14, uh, although the police were unable to issue an order to keep the boy away from her. She went Jesus. into she went into counseling. I guess they didn't have enough evidence. This she went is in, why. Went into counseling, and after the incident, uh, but she, uh, after the incident, but she didn't follow through with her counseling. Um, she started to um, do self harm as well, and she attempted suicide when she was in the eighth grade. So we got uh, we got Melinda. Loveless, who is 16, Laura Tackett, who is 17. They kind of take the lead in these murders, uh, this murder. And then we got Hope Ripley and Tony Lawrence, who are both 15, um, and they play kind of a supporting role, but they don't, they're, they're, you know, they're kind of long for the ride. Okay. Um, to recap. To recap. Then the two other people involved Thank in you. our story, that's what I mean, that's why I'm going through these because there's many different characters here. Uh, was the victim, Shonda Shearer, who was only 12 years old at the time, and her friend, Amanda Heverin, who was 15. Now, Amanda had been, this sounds like a bunch of little girls getting right, you know, going around gossiping, but Amanda was the girlfriend of Melissa Loveless, or I mean, Melinda Loveless. So we got some lesbian thrown in. Lesbian yeah, these are lesbian relationships. Too. Melinda Loveless was uh, girl, her girlfriend was Amanda Heverin. Both of the, uh, Heverin, Amanda was 15. And uh, were these girls all on the same softball team? I don't know. But um, Melinda became angry because Amanda had left her and started sharing and spending time with Shonda, age 12. Oh. See, and that's weird and wrong. Because if a that had been a boy, girl? 
Yeah, yeah she's because 15. If, if that older, if the older one had been a boy, everybody yeah. would have had many strokes. Well, I don't think her parents knew about it. Um, I saw her mother, Chandra's mother, interviewed, and she was really upset. She she said that, that you know it was that Amanda was a predator. You know, she was fifteen; she was twelve. There is an age difference there. Um, so Shonda, let's talk about no syrup. Let's talk about Shonda Shear. Shonda was age twelve. She was born in Pineville, Kentucky. Of course, Kentucky, uh, you're very familiar with Pineville, Kentucky. Pineville, Kentucky is right of next course he to. Is. Uh, it's right next to Oakwood, Kentucky. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born on June 6, nineteen seventy nine. June six. One of Oak Ridge boys. Where was June six? June six. Mm-hmm. Six of June, nineteen forty four. D Day. Yeah, but she was born in nineteen seventy nine. Well, that would have been about what. 20, 35, 45 years after? Yeah, something like that. She so, was born to Stephen Scherer. No relevance whatsoever. Stephen and Jacqueline Scherer. And this is, I mean, <clears throat> this really is tragic because Stephen, after his daughter is killed, uh, he drinks himself to death. So I, I believe that was in my part, yeah. so I can just scratch up. Right. Off yeah. Thank well, you. actually, you could put it as he was... He went all leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> is there anything? That, that is the is there depressing else movie. from my script you'd like to share that I can No, I'm almost done with my part. Okay. I just want to tell you a little bit more about Shauna. Shauna attended fifth and sixth grade in Louisville before her parents moved. She was in cheerleading, volleyball, and softball teams. Her parents got divorced. Uh, the family moved in 1991 to New Albany. Um, and she got in a fight with 16 year old Amanda Heverin. That's how they met, and uh, they got put into tension together. Uh, at the time, Amanda was dating Melinda Loveless. So she got in a fight with this 12-year-old, Shauna. They got detention, and they became friends. During That's detention. a scrappy little girl right there. Yeah, and well, apparently they liked the rough stuff because they started dating. So Amanda... <laughs> Amanda leaves... Some little boys Amanda, hair. <laughs> yeah. Amanda Heverin leaves... Melinda, so Melinda Loveless, so she can be with Shauna, okay? Uh, I need a goddamn flowchart for all this. That's what I mean. It is confusing. That's why I went through each person. Uh, Of course, this is not, this this did not set well with Melinda uh, because she thought Shauna was trying to steal her girlfriend. And Brandy's going to tell you all the drama that happens. And you can't let that shit stand. Well, you know what? If they. If there wasn't a murder involved here, this is typical teenage drama. Yeah. But well, I'm not sure it's typical teenage drama when you got a bunch of. Does it, it sounds to me like all these girls were lesbians? Am I wrong? Or some wrong? of them. There was like inundating amongst all of them. There's three fifths of them. <laughs> at least three. Of them. But I, I'm, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, at least they dated each other. So I don't. So I, I don't know what they were. So, in early October, Heverin and Shear attended a school dance. Okay, this is Shonda and Amanda. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. It's just confusing, all the names. Where Devil Melissa, hasn't been here for a long time, so we're just making sure you don't you get all this right. <laughs> um, Do you, are you on drugs at all right now? Uh-uh, unfortunately, no. Clean as a, sober as a whistle. Huh? <laughs> Sober as a whistle. Yes. Sober as a whistle. Uh huh. Yeah. Sober as a whistle. That's yeah. Me. That's a that's a phrase you don't hear very often or ever. And let's hope. I'm just going to interject this. We're going to release. Are we releasing this today, Tim? Yes, probably. If you see us on the national news, it's it's we have a trial going on today, and we are um, a little on edge. Yeah. 
because there's a trial from a policeman who shot someone in the trials today, and they're waiting for the verdict. Yeah, and I'd yeah. like to get home safely, so let's... Uh, I mean, you have to ride the bus. You're so. going to be walking right through the knockout game neighborhood right. if it gets ugly. I know. I'm going to have to drive you home. All right, well, continue, Brandy. So they go to the school dance, and Loveless finds out about it, and she confronts them. Can I take Rudy? I'll say, oh, yeah, you take Rudy with you. That'll call him a crowd right, right down. All right. So, so although... Heverin and Loveless never really never formally ended their relationship. Loveless had actually started to date an older girl. What does that mean? Did they not go? It means to you court? can't swing a dead cat without hitting a lesbian in this town. <laughs> is what is what that means? Like, yeah, there were softballs flying left and right. Oh, I, I bet they had a powder puff football team. Well, down and you there. know what? And so if she's dating this older girl, then she needs to stop. Yammering, but her okay. dad is probably happy she's dating all these other girls because then he can, you know, sniff all Wild her panties. Um, so after the dance, Melinda, it's more panties, girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> more panties, well, more panties, but he got panties all over the place. After, Do lesbians wear panties, yes, the devil? yes. After, oh, devil yeah, yeah. because I know lesbians and they wear panties. Okay. Jesus Christ, I've they're not free balling all the time. They gotta, <laughs> I don't know. You know. All right. So after the dance, Melinda begins to openly discuss killing Shonda and threaten the little girl in public. Um, concerned about the effects of their daughter's relationship with Amanda Havron. Well, see. So they did know about it. Shonda Shear's parents arranged for her to transfer to Our Lady of perpetual help school and and it was a catholic school in in case you didn't pick up on that (laughs) in new albany where she joined the girls basketball team sound pretty parochial she's probably trying to pray away the gay new albany i believe it is new albany yeah yeah you said new albany (laughs) oh i'm sorry (laughs) she has problems pronouncing words no i mean she she's been through a major ordeal yeah shut up optopsy (laughs) i think she's done I think she had a stroke or something. I think they might have given her a lobotomy. (laughs) (laughs) So, Shauna, what's up? Because you're going to need to keep these girls straight, so so to speak. There ain't no way to keep these girls straight. (laughs) So to speak. That ship already sailed. Okay, so Shauna. That rainbow flagship already sailed. Well, it did, didn't it? Dancing bears are out. So, okay. I'm I'm getting getting an idea. There's not a whole lot of Trump supporters in this crowd. (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of men. There's not a lot of boys here. Okay, so Shonda goes to Our Lady of the Perpetual Help or whatever. Okay, so she's gone. All right. So Shonda and Amanda um, have run started to grow apart. Oh. Well, you know, distance. Yeah. Um, And what they say makes the heart grow fonder of someone else. Something like that, yeah. And Shonda's parents felt that their plan... I always thought it was big boobs makes the heart grow fine, but Timmy. <sighs> Shonda felt that their... Shonda's parents felt that their plan had been successful. Have your boobs shrunk some more, devil? Oh, my God. Probably. It, it's just a question. And, and, we, and we should add... Are there adjustable bras? <laughs> like, you know, you can get those... Bras. You can get pants with adjustable waistline. To get All bras are adjustable. Okay. We should add to our listeners, the devil was only here today because she came in here for a meeting. Um, with our with our oversight board and now the uh, cups are not adjustable. No, the cups are not generally adjustable. Right, that's what I meant. But the back and the straps are right. But the cups are the are the no. The cups are. Can, no. I know they're not. But can you buy them in case you go up and go down or 
Yes, you can. Sideways? I don't know. <laughs> Down. Um, That's a special order if you go sideways. I just wanted to... I just wanted to... Uh, say that... There's no law saying I can't buy another bra. What the fuck? Those are expensive, They man. are expensive. Bras are very expensive. Well, that's expensive. Yeah, there's no sense in that. That's what I tell the Mrs. Colonel. She oh, pays like $40 for a bra. Oh, I'll hold great. your damn boobs. I'll walk around and hold your damn boobs all day. For like twenty three dollars. Twenty three dollars. <laughs> yeah. And but lunch. No, the devil came in here for a meeting today. Yeah. And and it, it struck me how uh, how lovely she looked today. Yes. You got your haircut. Yeah. Uh, you got your makeup on. You got. I mean, it's almost like you're a girl. I'm like a real person. She's like a girl. I'm like a. I'm like a real girl. Yeah, she's like yeah. a real girl now. So. All right. Are we done? Yes. Oh, I was okay. being nice to you. I yes. know you are, and I appreciate that, which let's is better than the lobotomy slam that you gave me. <laughs> All right, so Melinda, you know, so Shonda's parents felt their plan had been successful. They're growing apart. It's all good. Melinda, however, continued. She go, bitch holds a grudge. Well, bitch does hold a grudge, and she's, you know, it's one of those, she's swearing vengeance. Yes. She is continuing to express a strong hatred toward this little girl, blaming her for stealing her girlfriend, even though old girl is dating somebody else now. And I'll tell you what, a lesbian blood oath is worse than the Sicilian blood oath. Yeah. I think so. They never, they're like elephants. They don't forget anything. My daughter, she can tell you things she, I said when she, she, she was nine years old that perturbed her. All right. So on the night of January 10th, 1992, which was the year of our Lord that I graduated... Oh, okay. 1992? Uh-huh. She hasn't been married for five years by then. Well, you all are old. So, Tony Lawrence, Hope Rippey, and Lori Tackett took Tackett's car from Madison to Melinda Lovelace's house in New Albany. Okay, so to recap. So, they're all four. So, to recap, (laughs) these three girls get in the car and go to Melinda Lovelace's house. (laughs) All right. What kind of car was it, Timmy? I don't know. Are you it's sure? It's a Ford Fairlane. Might have been a Vega. I bet it had a trunk, though. It does have a trunk. It does, it does have, have a trunk. trunk. All right. Plays a key role. Because they had junk in the trunk. Lawrence. So, okay, so Tony Lawrence, while she was a friend of Tackett's, had not previously met Loveless. They get along swimmingly, though. Though Hope Rippy had met her once before and it had gotten along with her fine. So upon arrival, they borrowed some clothes from Loveless and she showed them a knife, telling them she was going to scare Shonda Shearer with it. Only Lovelace had ever met Shonda Shearer. Laura Tackett already knew of the plan to intimidate the 12-year-old girl, who has moved on with her life. Yes, turned the page. Right, she, yeah, she's turned the, she turned the Bible page. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So Loveless explained to the two other girls that she disliked Shara for stealing her girlfriend, Amanda Heverin. The four girls then got in this car and drove to Jeffersonville, Indiana, where Shearer lived. Melinda Loveless brought along a knife and said she just intended to use the knife to frighten Shonda. Yeah, if you're ever going out with someone and they got a knife or a gun, they say, I'm just going to scare the person. It's you know, a bullshit yeah, lie. I, yeah, go home. Yeah. So they arrived at Shearer's house shortly before dark. So this is January, so, you know, they probably got there at 3 o'clock in the yeah, afternoon. It, it was cold. Uh, Melinda instructs Hope, Reppy, and Tony Lawrence to go to the door and introduce themselves as friends of Amanda Heverns. Heverns. Melinda told them to invite Shonda to come with them to see Amanda, who was waiting for them at the Witch's Castle, a ruined stone house known, also known as Mistletoe Falls, located on an isolated hill overlooking the Ohio River. So, sure. Yeah, it's just a hangout spot, really. But, so, yeah. let's go do that. Yeah. Shonda was hesitant to go because she didn't know the girls and her parents were still awake. She asked the girls to return at midnight and she would go with them. To kill time, the girls crossed the river to Louisville and attended a punk rock show by the band Sunspring. Do you know the band Sunspring? Mm-hmm. Charles? Yeah. Around midnight. Of course he does. Around midnight, they returned to Shonda's house, and this time she agreed to go with them. When Shonda got into the car, she did not notice that Melissa Loveless was hid under a blanket in the back seat with a dull knife. As they got in the car, Hope Rippey began questioning her about the relationship with Amanda Heverin just to trigger, just to piss off Melinda Loveless. Loveless finally decided she'd heard enough. She sprang out of the back seat and put the knife to Shearer's throat and began to interrogate her about her sexual relationship with Amanda Heverin. This bitch must be a hell of a lay. I'll tell you what, because there ain't nothing scarier than somebody holding a knife to your throat and asking you what you've been doing sexually. Yeah. that's how, I know that's happened to you before. Now, I yeah. come home sometimes, Mrs. Colonel wants to know where I've been. I say, grocery store. She pins me up against a wall with a knife in my throat. No, see, I know that's made up because she doesn't care where you've been no, most, of the time. most of the time. So, there you go. All right, so... She so they go to they drive towards Utica, Indiana, to to the witch's castle. Um, at the witch's castle, they took this poor little girl who's crying, um, and they took her inside and they tied her arms and legs up with a rope. There, Loveless taunted that she had pretty hair and wondered how pretty if it, pretty it would look if they were to cut it off, which frightened this little girl even more. Loveless began taking off Shearer's rings and handing each to the girls. At some point, Hope Rippy had taken Shearer's Mickey Mouse watch and danced to the tune it played. Laura Tackett, sick of these bullshit games, started, started to describe the dungeon to Shearer, claiming it was filled with human remains and Shearer would be next. Yeah, so they're trying to scare this little girl to death. Subsequently, Tackett goes back to the car where Lawrence followed her to retrieve her cherished smiley face sweater. What the fuck? They, All took, right. they, took, they made her undress. Yeah. Uh, they returned with it and lit it on fire. But immediately they feared that the fire would be spotted by bypassing cars, so they left. 
uh, during the car ride, Shear continually just begged them to take her home. Uh, Tackett, because this is the early 90s, turned on a boombox sitting in her lap that played opera and mimicked Shearer, acting like she was crying and laughing. The poor girl was probably scared to death. And laughed with what she called the devil laugh. Loveless ordered Shearer to slip off her bra, which he then handed over to Hope Rippey, who slid off her own bra and replaced it with Shearer's while steering the car. That's talent. What is that? Had adjustable cups? No. Uh, so then, because they're bullshitting around changing clothes while they are driving, they get lost. So they stop and ask for directions at a gas station uh, where they covered Shearer with the blanket. They got back into the car and then became lost again and had to pull into another gas station. There, Tony Lawrence and Hope Rippey spotted... this was before GPS. Yes. Well, she has a boombox in are her we lap, gonna, so We're going to have time to do my story. Because yeah, I did a script for this. Yeah, let's, let's continue this first. There, so at the second gas station, Tony Lawrence and Hope Rippey spotted a couple of boys and talked to them before once again getting back in the car and leaving, arriving sometime later at the edge of the woods near Tackett's home in Madison, Indiana. Laura Tackett led them to a garbage dump off a logging road in a densely forested area. Uh, let's see, so... But Tony, Lack, Tony Lawrence and Hope Rippey were frightened, and they just stayed in the car because nothing good happens in the forest that late at night. Yeah. Uh, Tackett grabbed both of Shearer's hands and held them behind her back so Loveless could hit her. Shearer begged them to let her go and swore to stay away from Heverin, but each plea was answered by Loveless' command for her to shut up. This fight in Lori Tackett, she just, uh, she just met this Melinda the same night. Now mm-hmm. she's helping her commit assaulting this girl. Right, yeah. yeah. Suddenly, Loveless punched Shearer punched as hard as she could in the stomach, Ooh. and Shearer collapsed to the ground. That's, that's not cricket. Through gasping breaths, Shearer begged them to stop hurting her. Uh, her cries fell upon deaf ears. Loveless picked her up by the hair and repeatedly slammed her head into Loveless's knee. Damn. Yeah, they was really cruel. This girl. Uh, the multiple blows caused Shearer's braces to cut her lips, and blood flowed from her mouth. Hope Rippy came out of the car to hold down Shearer. Loveless and Tackett took turns stabbing Shearer in the chest. The fuck? They went from kneeing her in the face to stabbing her in the chest? They then strangled her with a rope until she was unconscious, placed her in the trunk of the car, and told the other two girls that Shearer was dead. The girls drove to Tackett's nearby home and went inside to drink soda and clean themselves up. Good fucking parents. Uh, when they realized Shanda Shearer was screaming in the trunk, Tackett went out with a paring knife and stabbed her several more times coming back a few minutes later covered with blood. After she washed, Tackett told the girl's futures... Oh, told the girl's futures with her rune, rune stones. Yeah, I can probably... I could probably much told her future after. Yeah, yeah, we got that. Yeah. At 2.30 in the morning, Lawrence and Rippy stayed behind as Tackett and Loveless drove to the nearby town of Khan. Is it Khan? Yeah. That's why they had the wrath... wrath, wrath the wrath, wrath there? Khan. Yeah. Rathcon. Yeah, sure. Uh, during the drive, Shanda Shearer, now in the trunk, continued to make crying and gurgling noises so Tackett stopped the car. Oh, that's like the uh, Billy Billy Bates guy in Goodfellas. They yeah, kind in the of. Trunk, yeah. he was dead. Yeah. When they it's opened the trunk, this little girl sat up, covered in blood with her eyes rolled back in her head, but unable to speak. So Tackett beat her with a tire iron until she was silent. 
Lovelace. See, I don't figure. I can't figure out what Tackett's what 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 she has. Tackett was just mean. Yeah, I mean she, she, she has. Yeah, she, she just had a. She had no skin in the game. I mean, she no. wasn't her girlfriend. She just <clears throat> met Melinda that same yeah. night. Uh, Loveless and Tackett returned to Tackett's house just before daybreak to clean up again. Rippy asked about Shearer, and Tackett laughingly described the torture. The conversation woke up Tackett's mother, who yelled at her daughter for being out late and bringing home the girls, so Tackett agreed to take them home. She drove to the burn pile, where they opened the trunk to stare at Shearer. Now, explain what a burn pile is. I believe that's where they caught her on fire. Well, no, but you have... Some people have burn barrels, they have burn piles, where they just throw refuse or... Uh, you know, whatever else. Usually it has to be out in the country for it to be legal. But you throw all your, you know, sticks and leaves and all right. those kinds of things on there, and that's where you burn them to get rid of them. Right. So they've got a burn pile somewhere. They found a bur- burn pile, and they open the trunk. When they open the trunk to stare at Shear, Lawrence refused. Rippy sprayed Shear with Windex and taunted, Bitch, you're not looking so hot now, are you? Now let's take her pants off and get to it, ladies. What the fuck does that mean? Uh, Let's see. The girls drove to a gas station, pumped some gas in the car, and bought a two-liter bottle of Pepsi. Tackett poured out the Pepsi and refilled the bottle with gasoline. They drove north of Madison, Madison, past Jefferson Proving Ground, to Lemon Road off U.S. 421, a place that was known to Hope Rippy. Lawrence remained in the car while Tackett and Rippy wrapped Shearer, who was still alive, in a blanket and carried her to a field by a gravel country road. Tackett made Rippy pour gasoline over Shearer, and then they set her on fire. Melinda Loveless was not convinced that Shearer was dead, so they returned a few minutes later to pour the rest of the gasoline on her. The girls then went to McDonald's about 9.30 a.m. for breakfast, where they laughed about Shearer's looking like one of the sausages they were eating. Oh, that's fucked up. Well... Tony Lawrence, who's now horrified, like now, she, now right. something's fucked oh, up. Oh my! Look at this. So yeah, horrible. phoned a friend and told her about the murder. Mm. Yes, yeah, she she seems that the only one there that kind of has, has a, a conscience. Yeah, has yeah. a conscience. Yeah. Uh, Laura Tackett then dropped off Lawrence and Rippy at their homes and finally returned to her own home with Loveless. She told Haverin they had, that they had killed Shearer and arranged to pick up Haverin later that day. A friend of Lovelace's, Crystal Wathen, came over to her house and they told her what had happened. These bitches can't keep their yappers shut. No, it, it, it didn't say secret very long. Uh, then the three girls drove to pick up Amanda Haverin and bring her back to Lovelace's house where they told Haverin the story, although she didn't believe it was true. Both Haverin and Wathen became... Wathen became convinced when Tackett showed them the trunk of the car with Shearer's bloody handprints and socks still in there. Amanda Haverin was horrified and asked to be taken home. When they pulled up in front of her house, Loveless kissed Haverin and told her that she loved her and pleaded with her not to tell anyone. Haverin promised that she wouldn't before entering her house. I saw Amanda Haverin interviewed there's an interview with her on YouTube, and she just has no remorse at all. I mean, she didn't do anything. I mean, she didn't kill the girl, whatever, yeah. but she was involved. As you said, she was older. The little girl was 12 years old. But uh, she, I mean, just showed no compassion for the, the parents or, you know, or this 
now dead little girl. Okay, Colonel. Well, here's where we get into the try to figure out what the hell happened here. Now, on the morning of Saturday, July 11th, January 11th, which is my sister's birthday, 1992, Canton, Indiana resident Don Foley and his brother Ralph were on a quail hunting trip in nearby Jefferson County when they spotted a strange object in a soybean field. Now, Ralph's first thought was that... Was it a soybean? Huh? If it was a strange object, it wasn't a soybean then. No, it might have been a tofu bean. It was an orange. Uh, Ralph's first thought was that the object was a body, though logic dictated that it was something else. Even so, the men went in for a closer look. At first glance, it appeared to be a rubber blow-up doll that someone had discarded and burned. Well, you know what? You only... Sometimes the romance is gone between you and your rubber blow-up doll, and you just got to move on and get a different one. So, you know, that's what, I guess that's what they thought happened. So anyway, but upon closer inspection, the reality became horribly apparent to him, Timmy. The object was not a doll, but the charred remains of a human body, Tim. Oh. Now, apart from a pair of panties that the old man over there couldn't grab, and, grab up and sniff, um, the body was naked and very burnt up from the waist up. Now, the legs of the victim, they were spread as if they'd been posed, and you gotta, the arms were stretched skyward with clenched fists, like there was, you know, some kind of posing going on there. But And the victim appeared to be a young woman, but the chest had been burned so badly that it was difficult to tell. Now, if, it, if the chest had been burned badly and she was naked, laying there with her legs spread, don't know why they'd have to look at the chest to see if she... But Apparently they couldn't even get fingerprints off of her because her fingers were all burned. Yeah, no, this just says she was burned from the waist up so badly. Um, and I guess if you got caught on fire, you'd pick a burn up. Yeah. That'd be the first go, the first to go. Cause there's a lot of, lot of stuff in there. So, now, the most horrifying of all was the victim's face... The eyes were empty, without color, and the mouth was wide open, exposing teeth tightly, tightly clenched on the victim's tongue. It was a brutal scene, Timmy, one that they would never forget. Now, 1055, Chief Deputy Randy Spry from the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office in Madison received Foley's call and set out for Lemon Road. Madison's a, a very, very quaint little town. I've been there a few times. Um... They have the speedboat races down there every year. Okay. Um, the Madison Regatta. Uh, but anyway, since then, since there had not been a murder in Jefferson County in over three years, and the last one was Earl shot his brother Floyd over um, over the last biscuit, so they didn't, you know, they wasn't really experienced with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But. And, and, the, and the detective, he was a little skeptical that they had a body out there. But after he arrived at the scene, his doubts were erased, and he immediately called headquarters for Sheriff Richard Buck Shipley's presence at the scene. Now, well, you know when you got a guy like Buck Shipley, this Buck. Shit, this shit's going to get soft. It's gonna get, it's just now got serious. Yeah, this shit. Uncle Buck. Yeah, this shit got real. Uncle, Uncle Buck Shipley's there now. Now, it took more more than an hour for Shipley to re- reach this crime scene there from his home in Madison. And at first glance, he was appalled. 
He had seen a lot of dead bodies in his time on the force, but never one in such a grisly state. It was immediately obvious that the sheriff's office did not have the resources to handle the investigation properly, so Shively radioed the Indiana State Police for assistance. Indiana State Police Detective Steve Henry and Forensic Expert Sergeant Curtis Wells arrived at the crime scene just before 1 o'clock. So they were there with, with Bones, mm-hmm. the Bones crew, the CSI people. Mm-hmm. Now, Wells recorded the crime scene with a video camera and took several still photographs. After taking castings of various unknown tire tracks and footprints, he began a cursory examination of the body. With Sergeant Wells' extensive knowledge of forensics, this, this man was apparently just a genius, Timmy. Okay. He just had all kinds of forensic knowledge. It was apparent that a flammable substance had been used to destroy evidence. That's you how think? smart this son of a bitch was. You were smart. You know what? I see, what I see here is a big burned up body. I bet they used something flammable. Well, yeah. it's a small town. You know why? Because they couldn't find a big ass magnifying glass and have the sun come down on her like oh, you see. do an ant. I see. I guess. I don't know. What happens next? Well, examining the genitalia of the victim, he noted that the panties had been pulled to one side and the condition of the body indicated some oh, some type of anal molestation, mm. either prior to or immediately after death. Now, that's where, again, you draw the line, Timmy. Yeah. So, this poor little girl. As Wells was examining the body, Detective Henry discovered a melted plastic bottle containing trace amounts of gasoline lying in the woods nearby. When the coroner arrived at the scene, Wells collected half samples from the victim and removed a ring from one of her fingers. Looking at the ring, he discovered it was a Jefferson High class ring with the initials SGH engraved. Now, while police were at the crime scene, Stephen Sharon noticed that his daughter was missing. After phoning neighbors and friends all morning, he called his ex-wife, Shonda's mother, at 145, where they filed a missing person report with the Clark County Sheriff. Clark County and Jefferson County are right next to each other, right, Timmy. Right. Later that evening, Clifton and uh, Glenda Lawrence were spending their Sunday afternoon evening watching television when the couple's youngest daughter, 15-year-old Tony, walked through the front door followed by a best friend, Hope. And Hope's parents, Carl and Gloria Ripley, all with very, very solemn faces, Timmy. Before the parents could say a word, Tony began babbling incoherently, obviously upset and stated near shock. Concerned, Clifton instructed Glenda to take Tony to another room while he talked to Rippies. Carl Rippy told Clifton that the girls had said that they had witnessed a murder that day. He said the details were sketchy, but he felt that they were telling the truth. Now, after These absorbed, are the two younger girls. The two younger girls, yeah. yeah. And they didn't really, really play a part in any of this. Right. Um, after absorbing what he just heard, Clifton asked the Rippies to accompany him to the police station. But they said, oh, hell no, we ain't doing that. They want to talk to an attorney. Yeah, they wanted to lawyer up. They had to, well, that's probably a good idea. Well, maybe, maybe not. Wait till you get into it. Well, it was just after 9 o'clock when the Lawrences arrived at the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office in Madison. Upon learning that a young girl and family claimed to have information regarding a murder in Jefferson County, Sheriff Shipley quickly ushered him into the office. Now, Tony Tackett stated that she had spent the previous night with two friends, Hope Rippey and Lori Tack. 
Lori Tackett. The three had driven to New Albany in Tackett's car and picked up Melinda Loveless, 16, a friend of Tackett's who Tony had not met before. Tony Lawrence, that was. Tony Lawrence, yes. So shall we recap? Yes. They have found the body. Yeah. They, the two girls have gotten freaked out. The two younger girls. The two younger girls. Now we got the one girl, her parents notice she's missing, and they show up at the parents' house saying, Right. You know, this is what happened. The parents go crazy. They get them to the police station. Um, that's where we're at right now. Okay. Now, upon learning that a young girl and her family claim to have information regarding a murder in Jefferson County, Sheriff Shipley, Big Buck, quickly ushered them into his office. Tony Lawrence, we got to that. After picking up Loveless, um, they had gone to a hardcore punk rock show for a few hours and then headed back toward home. Tony said that on the way back, Loveless began talking about a girl named Shonda, saying that Shonda was trying to steal her girl and she wanted to kill her. That's what Tony said. Okay. Tony said Loveless began talking about right. this stuff. Now, before the Lawrences left the police station here, Timmy, uh, they introduced Sheriff Buck to the Ripley's plan to get an attorney. They informed, I'm sorry. Yeah. They informed So Hope Ripley's family, parents said Ripley's family is going to lawyer up. They yes. don't want anything. To, as she was deciding what to do next, Shipley received a missing report from Clark County. Shonda Sher, 12 years old, had been reported missing by parents some eight hours earlier. Yeah, so as the parents, they're in here discussing this murder. This yeah. girl, who they don't know who it is at this point, they get this message they, that, that this is a missing person. Yeah, and it's it describes a girl five foot tall, hundred pounds, and God, it, she was tiny. Yeah, yeah just a tiny little, little thing. Cute little girl. Now, Shipley then started the paperwork to get warrants for the re- arrest of Lori Tackett and Melinda Loveless. Now, as investigators rushed to get the paperwork in order, they received word that the teeth of the victim matched the dental records of Shonda. No matter which direction the case went, now the hardest part was it um, was. Sheriff Shifley had to notify Shonda's parents. They were excited at first when the police contacted them. Now, they were certain that the little girl um, that had been found, they were certain that their little girl had been found and they would be reunited with her. However, as soon as they saw the look on Detective Henry's face, they knew something terrible had happened to me. There's no right way to tell their parents that their child is dead. I mean, it's just not possible. So, that, but unfortunately, that is what this man had to do. And uh, regardless of the eloquence or sensitivity of whatever message you send in there, Timmy, the impact on the family remains the same. They can be kind, they can be cold, it don't matter. They just, mm-hmm. they lost a daughter. Yeah. Now, when Detective Henry told them Shonda was gone, Jackie became completely hysterical. It was almost 2 a.m. by the time Sheriff Shipley and Detective Henry acquired arrest warrants for Tackett and Loveless. Lori Tackett's vehicle had been spotted at Melinda's mother's house, so it was there that investigators decided to serve these warrants. When the two men knocked on the door, Melinda's mother, Margie, answered. They quickly explained why they were there and asked her where the girls were. Margie said upstairs the investigators went up to Melinda's room. Entering, they found them both in bed asleep. Henry yelled for the two to get, Get your ass up! You under arrest, is what he told them. 
As they rose from their slumber, he informed them that they were both being arrested on charges of murder. They were let out of the house in handcuffs and transported to the police station, Timmy. Mm -hmm. They were booked and jailed. All four girls were charged as adults. To avoid the death penalty, the girls decided, fuck this, I'll take a plea bargain. The court agreed to consider the girls' mitigating circumstances. What mitigating circumstances? Well, all four girls had had pretty troubled backgrounds uh, with physical or sexual abuse happening by a parent or another adult. Now, Hope Rippey, Tony Lawrence, and Lori Tackett had histories of self-harming behavior. Tackett was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and suffered like from, Brandy. Like Brandy and suffered from hallucinations, much like Brandy. Yeah. First um, of all, bullshit. There are plenty of people that get raised in shitty backgrounds that don't turn around and kill. Plenty of people have different mental illnesses that don't turn around and kill too. Yeah. So fuck them. Well, I'm just I'm just reading. You're the just news. reporting the news. I'm just I reporting know. the news. I didn't I make these decisions now. Um, now, Melinda Lovelace, the ringleader in this attack, had the most extensive history of abuse and mental health issues. And, you know... What did you call her? Linda Lovelace? Yeah, Linda it's, Lovelace. It's Ma- Melinda Lovelace. Melinda Lovelace. Melinda Lovelace. Without love. No love. In early 1993, Melinda and Laura Tacker were sentenced to 60 years in prison for this murder. Now, for her part, Hope Rippey was sentenced to 60 years with 10 years suspended for mitigating circumstances, plus 10 years of medium supervision probation. On appeal, the judge reduced it to 35 years. Now, in exchange for her cooperation, Tony Lawrence was allowed to plead guilty to one count of criminal confinement and was sentenced to a maximum of 20 years, and it I mean, this seems harsh to me because it seems like the other two, the two young girls were just kind of caught up in this and yeah. didn't even know what was about yeah. to occur. And she, yeah, she's that, a, hope, that hope girl, she was running her yapper. Well, this one, oh, yeah. but this one didn't lawyer up. They went right to the police. And so she gets the, the lighter sentence, still yeah. 20 years. But she doesn't, and you'll get into that. Continue, Colonel. Just two days after the sentencing, Shonda's parents filed a one- billion-dollar lawsuit um, against all four girls. The suit was filed after a Louisville television station reported Tacker was negotiating to sell her story to a movie production company Mm -hmm. and considering she had uh, some other offers she had received. Now, Shonda's parents never expected to collect any of the money and wanted to discourage the girls from profiting at their daughter's expense. Clark County Circuit Judge Daniel Donahue agreed and quickly issued a temporary injunction blocking the girls from making any deals to sell their story. Now you got that law um, that puts it in effect. You can't profit from anything that you do. I never profit from anything I did. I know. No, no. The aftermath of this was Tony Lawrence was released on December 14, 2000, after serving nine years. All right, so the one that cooperated got nine years. Okay. Yeah, she she's was forty. The, she was one of the young ones then. She's forty years old. Nobody knows her current whereabouts. That'd be a good one for Charlie and Allie. Look her up. Let's well, find her. Well, I mean, maybe they could hunt her down. She's now out. So doing something productive. Okay. Well, yeah, she and she she got penis now. So all right, she's continue. forty years we old. We don't know that. Continue. Well, she's forty years oh, old. Oh, I see. You know, because so, so. all women turn yeah. forty. Yeah, because he's so funny. 
Um, now, on April 28, 2006, Hope Rippey was released from Indiana women's prisons after serving 14 years of her original sentence. And you know they all got into some lesbianism. In oh, there. you know, they went in, I mean, they went in there as little kids. Yeah. So, um, she remains on supervised parole. Now, Melinda Lovelace and Laura Tackett, are, they're serving their original sentence at the Indiana women's prison in Indianapolis. Maybe... Maybe Timmy can become pen pals with one of them. No, uh, are you? When you're done, I'll tell you something. Go ahead. Oh, you, you've withheld information once again on <laughs> because it. Because I watched another documentary on it. Go Given ahead. Indiana's policy of reducing sentence by a day for every day served with good behavior, both women should be released from prison in 2022. Well, that's not that long. When Loveless is no. 46 and Tackett is 47, and they should both have. Um, fairly pronounced penises. Um, um, okay. Shanda's father, sh- father. Guess what happened to her father, Devil? I don't know. Tell me. To recap, because Timmy has already said this, he became quite depressed and drank himself to death. Ah, yeah, so that really had some... I mean, That's all we have for that story. Well, let me just say that uh, since... The father's death. The mother of uh, Shonda um, reached out. She had heard that um, uh, Melinda Loveless in prison, women's prison, now was training uh, sight dogs. Oh, really? Yeah. So every year she buys a dog for Melinda to train, even though Melinda had killed her daughter. Yeah, that's Hmm. fucked up. Yeah, she took some criticism from it, but she said that it's something her daughter would have wanted her to do, so she's trying to see some good coming out of this. I'd buy her a deranged pit bull. It's kind of a bad idea. A rabid one. But it's a pretty fucked up story, don't you think? Yeah, girls are very fucked up. It kind of reminds me, kind of, of I mean, different circumstances, but in Indiana, the Sylvia Likens. Well, yeah, that group thing. Yeah, 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 group think. Um, Colonel. Um, I know you wanted to cover a story. And we, well, I, I did a script, and I thought that Okay, maybe so we're going to call this your segment, Colonel's Corner. So you yeah. have a, a short script that you want to go over. Well, I, sh- I, br- I shortened it up because I know that you wanted to, you okay. know. Okay, before we do that, Brandy, do you have any final thoughts on the death of, of uh, Shonda no, Sher? I remember hearing about this. It's very sad. These girls are stupid crazy. Colonel, you have any final thoughts on this story? It's hor- it's horrific. I I mean the cruelty, uh, but you know what? They burned Again, her alive. You know? I, oh my god! You go back to when these horrible things happen to you when you were young. You just lose all empathy. You have you're not you're not human. But at what point do you take personal responsibility? Uh, yeah, but I mean when you destroy a person, and and that's what you know people did to a couple of these girls they just destroyed them they destroyed their humanity yeah and Um, i'm not saying that they didn't go through some shit but what i'm saying is so you know by that you know on that token anybody i don't say you let them go free but anybody that's got something fucked up i mean you got people dying by you left and right uh, constantly somebody's dying that you know no, and you know you're not killing people. To. You're not you know the angel of death or anything. Well, you might be, but you're not no, intentionally no. causing this stuff. So I mean, I'm you trying know, not to. We as a country have gotten away from taking personal responsibility, and I think it's bullshit. Well, I think that 
you know, I think that they had to take into account some of the horrible things that happened to them. But I think that, yeah, you're right, that you, you know, no matter what happens to you, somewhere in your, somewhere deep down, you know, right from wrong. Sure. You know. And just the whole relationship aspect of it. I mean, when something happens like that, when you're like 12, 13, and you break up with someone or someone breaks up with you, that's the most important thing in the world. Oh, I know. It's devastating. And yes. You know, you, you, you know, you can't see beyond that. Like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to meet a lot of different right. girls or guys. Um, all right. So, Colonel, you had a story you well, wanted to share. I got a story about the death of Gary Hoy, Timmy. Okay. Is this oh. a, 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 a story that you researched? It is. It's one I researched in depth. Um, actually flew up to Canada to take a look at... Um, what happened? Get, get to the... This is a case of auto defensestration, Timmy. What is that? Sweet. What is that? Um, well, I'll tell you after I finish my story. Okay. Gary Hoy was an attorney for the law firm of Holden Day Wilson in Toronto. He had a group of articling students, which are basically accounting students, um, that he was trying to prove were, were innocent. They were accused of breaking some glass. Now, okay. he tried to prove that this glass, this could not have happened. So in a conference room on the 24th story of his... Uh, of a building, he ran and threw himself into the glass to show that it was not going to break. Oh, it broke. It broke, and he fell 24 stories to his death. I don't think it broke. It didn't. It didn't. Well, the whole frame came out. The whole frame, the whole came, whole out. frame yeah, came out. The glass didn't break. Yeah, the glass held up. So he was right. As he was on his way down, he said, he said, I, I was right. So. Yeah. yeah, a true so, story from the colonel. So, so he, went, land, he landed on, uh, he hit the ground at about 90 miles an hour. Um, Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, it was, it was not, uh, it was not, it was not pleasant. Um, and self-defensestration, Timmy, mm-hmm. that is called, that is the term for jumping out of a window. Really? Yeah. I like that. It's the act of jumping or propelling oneself or causing oneself to fall out of a window. like that. I like so, that song, 24 Floors by the Main. And cool this was, he, he came 24 Floors. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's why they, that maybe that's was their inspiration from that song, Twenty Four Floors by the Man. It could be. Yeah. Could okay, be. Colonel, let's get shout outs, get the show on the road. Um, all right, Timmy, we, well, let's see. Who are we gonna start with, Timmy? It's up to you, Colonel. Well, we always start with Tasha. Lovely Tasha out Lovely there in California. Tasha. They're you know, they're getting ready to succeed from the union out there and <laughs> they are. And I'm coming out there with you, Tasha. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm coming out Tasha there with you can uh, they they just legalized the weed out there. Yeah. No. Was it yeah, yeah they just said fuck it, you don't even need to have a medical yeah, license. Yeah. I think anymore. they did it in Minnesota too, so, didn't so, they? Tasha, can you put yeah. us up? Three of us. Yeah. When you when we when you guys succeed. And Jeff Girdley, of course. Sam Hildebrand. Angie Ball. Now, I'm going to say uh, Linda Middleton here because we always give Jennifer a shout-out on the thing, but I, I don't know. We always carry it. Yeah, hi, Linda. Linda. Uh, of course, Missy Dean Horton, um, Britt Brit and Chris Sass, Celine, Jeff Chestnut, and Salisa. Salisa. Teresa Slavin. Hey, Teresa. Um, Tommy Boom Boom. Tommy Boomer Shine. 
Um, Chanda, I'd, I'd follow Chanda on Facebook. She's a pretty interesting person. She, she's got some very good insights. Chanda and Larry. Um, I like, and I like to throw the whole Trowbridge clan in together. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Wentz, of course. He generalizes. I know. Phyllis Munson and Colton. Um, you know, we always got to give Donna Coran uh, a shout out with that wonderful hey, pup she's got. Um, Brian and crazy ass Lisa Lawton. Brian's normal. Lisa crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Olivia Meyer, of course. Um, girl, we all know and and love. Who I did I did I see on her Facebook page? She's in a relationship this week. Fallon. I'm not sure. If you are, congratulations. Fallon. And if he doesn't treat you well, you call the colonel. We gotta get out there and give him some colonel justice. Katya. Gotcha over uh, there and um, we uh, yeah if Tasha don't let us come and live with her yeah. we're coming with you Katcha all right um, we got Monica D Monica D Augustino uh, of course Sandy September Byron Snellings and Bridget Clavy we got Denny Mack of course Angela Cobes um, Amber Croup Gina Spillane and Trixie Stephanie Quick. Sydney and Michael, of course, and Wonder. Jamie T. Laura O'Reilly, Gabby Lewis, Sunstar, of course, Tara V. And who, if you needed a spy, Timmy, who would you call? Uh, Bond. Gene Bond. Mm-hmm. We got Lydia and Brandy McBride. <laughs> Maggie Glover, of course. Um, Jeff Appel, Christine. What, Timmy? Mm, I don't know. Christine. Bourgeois. Christine, yes. And, of course, my own personal favorite, Katie. Hey, Katie. <laughs> Jesus. Timmy. Uh, Moorhead. Oh, Moorhead, yes. <laughs> Katie Moorhead. God. I can't help it. I, uh, I try to stop myself. I cannot help myself. Uh, Mary, Katie Moorhead, thank you for having, thank you for following us. Um, we got Rebecca Montanle, um, and we have a Montana, because um, we can meet her little friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miss Montana, hello to you, and Rebecca Montanle. Uh, Mike Eisenhower, Daniel Fredrickson, Andy, mm-hmm. Valerio, Nancy Palomino, um, Jennifer Hawkins, Tara Nee. Lindsay O'Brien, um, we got that one that we never did get right, Sinatia. Eddie Rushing, your handler, Sammy James, of course, Jason Dykes, I'm getting a picture out to him. Um, I got overwhelmed with requests for pictures, Timmy, um, so I'm trying to get them all out there. Yeah, I hope you'll, you'll follow through. Mm-hmm, yeah. Amy Payne, Tyra Jenkins, let's see, we got a, a very nice email from, from Charlie Charlie Chase. Um, yeah, Charlie. Here's another. Nice now we we talked about the onsite. Here's another good. If you want a good uh, podcast, a funny podcast to listen to, we got Bobby, and his podcast is called BJ on the Weekends. Much like the, much like the Colonel's house. I doubt it. Yeah, I'd be happy. With BJ, that. <laughs> I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah, and and we're gonna have one. I'm gonna have one called 
turn on BJ on Tuesdays. Yeah, right? BJ on the weekends at bjontheweekends.com. Yeah. Uh, he sent us a nice note, asked us to give him a shout-out to his new podcast. And I listened to it, and it's pretty funny. So check it out. So we got um, M. Waterfall. Oh, we got some birthdays, Timmy. We got some yes. birthdays. We got a couple. Did you say hi to Michael and uh, Sydney? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did you say hi to Beverly? I've like tuned you I'm out. Getting there. Okay. Um, could, you, could you do that, Kim Taylor? She um, graduates. Uh, I think next quarter. We got M Water birthdays. M Waterfall, um, Amber Scoville, Cindy Overstreet, and uh, we of course went over Jennifer's sons. Hunter. Yeah, happy birthday, birthday all. Now, this day. is where things get very, very sad. Um, Devil, you lost an, uh, your mother-in-law, mm-hmm. Dave. And how is Dave doing? He's all right. Lady Beverly lost her father. Well, sorry. Um, it was Beverly. sudden. It was unexpected. And Lady Beverly, you know that we all here on the show, we care deeply about you. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's, you know, we, we are thinking about you, and if there's anything we can do at all for you, um, you know how to get a hold of us. Um, and, of course, we've got the Colonel Squad, um, Angie Ball and Nicola, little Sarah Mimosa, of course, um, Jim Burdick and Karen Barnes, Janet Fitzgerald and Francis Darton, Jessica Williams, Amanda Bocci Ball, who uh, plays Pokemon 2, um, Shannon, um, we got a new listener, and Jen. Uh, yeah, and Jen left us a review on um, yes, iTunes. on Thank iTunes, yeah. We got the Heathers, of course, Heather Hall, Heather Powell, and uh, Cindy Overstreet Hamilton, of course, Maria Barber, Jennifer Potts, Christina Montana is who I was thinking about. Me, my little friend. And that's what I've got, Timmy. All right. Well, thank you, Colonel. Um, William Tro, did I get William Tro and Denny I Mack and Byron so. Snellings? And uh, I've never seen anybody read as fucked up as you. Yeah. You're all over the goddamn place. You know, why why, why, why you come back with that attitude, Jesus though? Jesus I mean, Christ. you come back, you look at See, this is what's disturbing to me about you. All right. Now I come down here. I see you in the morning, and I look. I'm like, oh, look at the devil. Because normally, you know how she, you know how she comes in here. Mm-hmm. She got her flip flops on. She got some kind I of not have my flip. shit on. I do not um, have my flip flops on. So she comes some in. Some days here. you do. Some days you do. Goddamn it. So anyway, I come in here. I look down the hallway. I see the devil. She's smiling at me. Even she's smiling, and that creeps me out. Because I think, oh shit, I'm gonna walk into my office. Something gonna blow up. It's filled with rattlesnakes or whatever. She's smiling at me like, go walk into your office. And I'm like, that way, how you doing? And uh, I'm like, man, you're looking good there, devil. What you, what, what, how you feeling? Whatever. And she's nice to me. Mm-hmm. She's uh, She's got this new haircut. You got some highlights put in there too, didn't you, devil? Mm-hmm. Got some highlights in there. Your boobs is a little smaller. Okay. Okay. Uh, but that's a good boob sweater. You know, you know punky, sweater. Pink, uh, punky Brewster punky. had uh, I know. Breast, punky Brewster uh, had breast reduction. reduction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having penis reduction soon. So, but anyway, the devil got on a good a good boob sweater and all dressed up, got a makeup on, and, uh, and, and now you're being nasty to me. 
Now you turn on me like I the just, devil did y'all. I just said I don't understand how you get through. You could get through a list if you actually read the list, but you're over here. You're over here. Well, you that's know, how you don't know if you I got like to anybody or not. Lot. I like to change it up a little Sweet bit. Sweet Jesus. Okay, so Brandy, where can people find us? Well, you can find us on Facebook. Yeah, join our page. We have a page where we interact with listeners. It's called History Dweeves the Podcast. Join our group, and uh, we'll interact with you as well. And that's where most of our folks that we're giving shout-outs to, that's how we met them. Uh, it's a fun group, and um, come on in. It's uh, always a good time, and uh, join us. Uh-huh. Uh, Facebook, there's iTunes. Yes, if you... Uh, and we, of course, you if know... If you uh, go to iTunes, please leave us a review. Uh, it's how people find us. We appreciate it. And because the devil is not here, it has not been here... We saved, of course, the last shout-out for the devil. What? The last shout-out. You got to do the last shout-out before you leave. Okay. I got it. I'm just saving it for you. I Thank you. Uh, it's a special one. It is. Um, but Twitter? Yes, at History Leaves One. And then Stitcher and Libsyn and we don't yeah, have... Yeah, we're all over the place. Yeah. We're more popular than Captain Kangaroo. But we don't have a YouTube channel. Not yet, not yet. Or working audio equipment at this point. No, so, but we... What do I have right in my hand? I got the instruction manual okay. for it. But well, I would also... had two weeks to read it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I expected this shit to work when I got here. Well, so did I. I would, I would like to thank and give a shout-out to Miss Dottie Scott, because I really do appreciate these microphones. It was a lovely surprise, and I'm going to give a shout-out to her. Yes, thanks, Mom. Uh, Casey going to be joining us anytime soon? Uh, Casey's, you know, Casey's all over the place. We'll get him when we can get him. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, and we'll see you next time on History Dweeves. Good day. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.